If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. How's it going, everyone? Hope everyone's being safe. Today, we will be reviewing the film Songbird and The Sound of Metal. And right after that, we will be going into our top five list of up-and-coming actors. People that made their mark in 2020, and I'm sure that we're going to be seeing a whole lot of them in the future. But before we get to the reviews, first things first, let's start with a rundown on the latest in entertainment news. First things first, we have to talk about Tom Cruise. Um, someone recorded him um, going a little crazy on his cast and crew. Uh, since they weren't wearing masks. And um, it's funny. If you just hear him yelling and ranting and raving, you're thinking he's turning into a Christian Bale, right? Bale but, reincarnated. That's yeah. a different situation. But yeah, yeah. The different situation is is the thing that I want to talk about because he had a point. And when I heard it, I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, he had a right to, to yell at them. Uh, they need to yep. they need to hear it. He's the producer. Um, they're all there for his this movie, and if they shut down, then a lot of people are going to be out of work. And he and he talks Agreed. about that. So let me yep. ask you, what are your thoughts? Did he have a right to be angry? Did he go overboard? Absolutely no. I think he was totally fine. I mean, could you imagine? Like everyone's stressed out. Twenty twenty things like uh, that are closed down. Like it's not this this year hasn't been really good for anyone. Really, if you know that already, and you're still going to break the, those rules, it's going to frustrate people. Of course, it is right because it's sensitive times right now, and sensitive in the sense of like our health. And, and people's lives. Uh, I think what was really great was how he was so passionate about, you know, trying to every day what's on his mind is like families, you know, who are trying to put food on the table, roofs over their head, you know, like this is what's always going over my mind and dealing with insurance companies. Like, yeah, to me, I was like, you people, whoever was not following the protocol, dude, like it's take it seriously, you know, really. So, I mean, I've been on a few sets. Uh, I've, you know, directed a few little videos here and there. And it's hard being a crew guy to uh, have to move equipment and do stuff and have to give orders and, and talk and, and hear and listen and converse with a mask on. Uh, you're hot and you're sweaty and you can't breathe. So I can kind of see the crew side of it, but I definitely see Tom Cruise's side of it as well. And I mean, I think you know this to be true. Um, when you're on set, the guys that are a part of these crews, they tend to be a little bit thick-headed at times. Um, and uh, I think if you ask uh, people that work on those crews, they would probably agree. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just the nature of the job. You know, we're not sensitive. Uh, we do things our way. And, uh, you know, it works out for us. But, you know, if I was Tom Cruise and if I'm in a room with those types of people, I'm going to ask myself, okay, I need to convince them that I'm serious and you know, if I just ask them nicely, oh, guys, can you remember to keep your masks on? That's not going to do it. So as as much as we think he was out of control and screaming and yelling and cursing, I like to think that he was in control and he was using a, a tone of voice that he knew he would get his point across. And authority. He definitely tone did. Tone of authority. Yeah, 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 he's their boss. And so yep. I think it's fine with it. I, I'm totally fine with it. But also I think like... This is a very specific circumstance, and I think that, you know, anyone with a thick head should also realize, like, oh, okay, like, this isn't a normal kind of situation, you know? We, mm -hmm. we're do we, we may be doing the same jobs we've done for so many years, but there's a huge curveball, so mm -hmm. we need to take that into consideration. It's just common sense, honestly, yeah. bottom line, common yeah. sense. 
In, in other news, um, Tenet is now available on streaming. We've been talking about Christopher Nolan a lot in the news lately because of his comments with HBO Max. And so my wife and I were like, okay, we have to watch this with captions so we can figure out what the heck is going on. Because <laughs> in our review, we talked about the fact that, okay, the people giving backstory, they either have Russian accents or they're wearing gas masks or in some scenes, both. So we, we figured, okay, if we hear what's going on, we'll be able to understand what's happening a lot better and we're about halfway through watching it with captions, and I have to tell you, it still is very confusing. I mean, you pick up a few things here and there that you didn't pick up before, but still, the logic of the movie is still going well over my head. So Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'd love for you to watch it with captions, and maybe I'd love to get your take on it at some point. But uh, okay, yeah, definitely the most confusing Nolan movie I've seen. And uh, I don't know with repeat viewings if that'll change for me. <laughs> All right. A look at future episodes. Next week, we will be reviewing two films coming to streaming on Christmas Day. The first is Pixar Soul uh, with the main character voiced by Jamie Foxx. And the other review will be Wonder Woman 1984, directed by Patty Jenkins and starring Gal Gadot. I have a hard time saying her last name. Gadot. It just sounds weird. Gadot. 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 Yeah, it just sounds weird coming off my tongue. But anyway, and the next two episodes after that, we will be going through our top 10 films of 2020. I will be going through um, films 10 through 6 in part one, and then 5 through 1 in part two. And we will be having some special guests join us for that one. So that'll be fun. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of content, drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And please tell your friends about us. Our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Oh boy, here it comes. And yes. now for deep, deep breath. Mm-hmm. Our first review uh, of the episode, <laughs> Will and I will be going through the film Songbird. Before you go any further, I just want to apologize to all our listeners that what you're about to hear Yes, well, I'm just sorry with the truth right now. It's <laughs> the truth of just yes. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Garcia. Good morning, sunshine. I miss you. I could kiss you right now. Yeah, well. Someday. Curfew is now in effect. All unauthorized citizens must stay indoors. Tensions rise as we enter the 213th week of lockdown. A grim new reality emerges. COVID-23 has mutated. Beginning thermal scan. Thermal scan normal. A horrifying new development new today. New data confirms the virus attacks the brain tissue. Whoa, 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 I'm immune! Underneath I'm immune! Worldwide death toll rises to over 110 million. All infected Americans are being forced into quarantine camps. Sarah. Sarah, what's going on? This is what the film is about. In 2024... A pandemic re- <laughs> Sorry, I just okay. You can't even get through this reading the synopsis without even laughing. So, oh man. In 2024, a pandemic ravages the world and its cities, centering on a handful of people as they navigate the obstacles currently hindering society, disease, martial law, quarantine, and vigilantes. So basically, Myron, Myron, yes, tell it in, in, in layman's terms. In, what is it? In layman's terms, COVID has evolved and is far more dangerous. <laughs> and everyone is in a more desperate state of lockdown than they are now. And uh, this centers around a boy and a girl. It's a love story. The boy is a 
like a delivery man and uh courier he, yeah yeah he met this uh, woman um but yet they haven't actually physically had contact and so they're dating via you know facetime facetime and like that yeah and <laughs> then help us she is put in danger and now uh the boy uh, whose name is Nico, played by KJ Apa, has to come in and save the day. So that is the layman's version of our summary. Oh so my gosh. let's go through what we liked about this film. Will, why don't you go ahead and give it a shot? For one, uh, this is the second film that we're reviewing that has been shot entirely with the red Komodo camera. And it, this is the camera that obviously you and I are looking to also purchase and, and just seeing the capabilities of it. And I will say it was great. I really, really enjoyed the way this camera performed in these circumstances because I think Let Them All Talk was more gorilla, yeah, not indie. much lighting, small crew. This one was a, yes, more indie uh, running gun. This is obviously for Songbird, a lot more production involved, uh, lighting involved. Uh, and and just the way the camera was placed and shot, when when this camera is utilized uh, properly, it, it is still phenomenal. It is phenomenal, and I love it. So both the fact that you can run and gun with it and do a proper production with it, I still want it. Uh, so overall, the film itself was well shot. Before you before you get to the acting, so for some backstory here, uh, Will and I have been talking a lot about this little camera called the Red Komodo. Basically, the Red is a camera manufacturing company, and uh, they were one of the first to really make uh, high-quality digital cameras more accessible to the public. But basically, uh, movie studios have been using it quite a bit. The image that it produces is phenomenal. And they are now making their cameras even more accessible because this is something that you know, any sort of prosumer person can actually purchase. And uh, we talked about last week how uh, Let Them All Talk was filmed on this camera. Uh, and uh, this film, uh, Songbird, was also shot on it. And uh, that was one of the reasons why Will and I were so curious to watch this film. Uh, we wanted to see how it, how it holds up. You know, does it look like a $50,000 camera or a $100,000 rig? And, uh, you know, I think it does. And it's yep. going to revolutionize the industry, in my opinion. It's going to revolutionize but, uh, your your life and mine. Myron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yes. Hopefully mine will be coming in uh, mid-January now. That's the now updated, updated timeline. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Dur I ordered Dur it. Durland, if you're hearing this, please just give Myron the camera already. Come on. Just give it, it to him. It's not their fault. It's the lockdowns. Uh, they're based in Irvine. And I think some parts are being made in Mexico. But um, hopefully <laughs> we'll get our hands on it um, before 2022. I love that interesting side fact. They're based in Irvine, but some of their parts are made in Mexico. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's true. <laughs> I know, I know. I yeah. just thought it was a funny way how you kind of segued into that. So that's yeah. so good. But yeah. yeah, Irvine, come on. He's not too far away. Come on. Yeah. I'm just kidding. All right. But anyways. So back, yes. back over to you, Will. Um, the acting was okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it, you know, honestly, people, it's really difficult for for me to find anything good in this movie. I, I I appreciate Adam Mason, the director, his attempt to make a timely film that coincides with today's pandemic. Like, it just fell short so badly. Um, I have a lot of dislikes, so Myron, I can just jump into that. <laughs> but actually, no, before I jump into that, like, tell me something that you liked that maybe I missed. What is it that, may, that you caught that caught your eye? 
Well, I agree with you in terms of the cinematography. It was original. There were mm-hmm. certain things visually that I thought was interesting. Um, for example, you know, we talked about how uh, COVID has um, evolved and mutated. And so it's a much danger, more dangerous form. And so because of that, they're, they're stopping people from, from going out. And, you know, we ask ourselves the question, what would that look like if that was, if that was to happen to us today? And then uh, we see like barriers and freeway dividers put up on, on the streets of Los Angeles. And so really the only people that can really get around are like bicyclists, right? Um, so and you immune, see some basically. Yeah, people that are yeah, immune. immune. Yeah, um, and apparently, uh, if you're immune, you're given a yellow wristband, like the kind they give out uh, to get into like a club, or a something. concert ticket, yeah, yeah. club or concert. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into more of that a little bit later. But anyway, I also really like KJ Apa quite a bit. Uh, he was in a uh, film earlier this year uh, about the life story of Jeremy Camp. Um, he played the title character. And uh, here he plays okay. Nico. He was the mm-hmm. only bright spot in the movie for me. He's a likable guy, had a lot of charisma. What's funny is the movie doesn't take advantage of it. And I think the poor plot almost uh, suppresses his charisma. But uh, definitely uh, a good good portrayal from him uh, of a character that was underwritten. But he did bring more to the table than, was, than what was on the page. So uh, I appreciated him. It's either like one of those wristbands too. Like, hey, oh, hey, I can buy alcohol. Because I have this wristband. Because it's <laughs> so. So people that are listening, um, apparently, if you get this yellow wristband, it's uh, full access. Uh, it gives you, yeah, it gives you free reign to go out and about and to move. And uh, you know, they won't uh, send you to this place called the Q Zone, which is where infected people go to. Um, we'll talk a little what? bit more about that later. But uh, and apparently, there's a black market business for people selling counterfeit wristbands, so people can be out and about. But um, they make it seem like it's an exclusive thing, but pretty much it's a yellow wristband. <laughs> it's not VIP. hard to get your hands on a yellow wristband. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's go over right. uh, some of the things we didn't like, and you can go first, and you know, I'm sure I'll have my thoughts on that too. Songbird, the title, did not make any sense to me why it was even called Songbird. I understand nope. that there was a scene where she was painting the girl that the love interest, the, the girl she was painting a bird i guess and i thought okay is that the correlation is that the only correlation i don't understand it still didn't make sense to me so i i don't know i was just trying to make sense of it but this film like the, the film is the first attempt based on current events surrounding COVID 19 but ultimately the film is a mess and it lacked any substance you know or depth like it was a, it's like a quick concept sketch that just didn't pan out you know um there's just way too many plot holes and this movie as you said earlier myron like this it centers centers around a romance between a boy and girl but the plot was way too simple and there were there was no background or character arc should be found the their only obstacle was not being able to be together because of covid (laughs) (laughs) i can't i'm sorry um Peter Stomare, who plays Emmett Harland, uh, he's like an officer for the san- sanitation department uh, that transports infected civilians to a camp called the Q Zone. He was ridiculously over the top, and his character was written with like the way his character was written was like confusing. I- I'm like, what? Like he's a government worker that can stab and kill people without consequence, especially in front of government police officers. Like, 
who is this guy? What the is this like? If if this guy is the antagonist, like this is a this is the most ridiculous and and like I don't know nonsensical antagonist for for this film. It just it yeah. was just really weird. Um, so um, let's go back. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about him. So there's a scene. Uh, where he talks about how he was a garbage man working for the sanitation department, but somehow Ooh, the, uh, the, there. the government has uh, deemed that these garbage men are now responsible for picking up uh, the infected and taking them to the Q-Zone. Um, Sanitizing. So how, how does a task like this go from being given to hospital workers or the CDC, and yep. how is it given to garbage men? A garbage man. <laughs> Yes. And one that's unstable for sure when you look at like the way he carries himself. It, it was just weird. And then in the uh, the big climax where uh, Nico and Emmett Harlan uh, square off. And, oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, Peter has this uh, like this uh, monologue where he talks about how oh, he was this poor, downtrodden garbage man. But then he is now powerful and he's like a god because he's immune uh, to the virus. He's playing solitaire. <laughs> it's the ultimate like mustache twirling moment where it's like, hmm, I'm a bad guy and I'm cool because I'm playing this card game by myself while I'm giving this long <laughs> monologue. It was ridiculous. I love your villain um, voice. Yeah. <laughs> and how you're trying I to backtrack. your fake mustache. <laughs> I want to backtrack a little bit uh, before sure. you go any further. Uh, you mm-hmm. talked about how this movie has plot holes. Um, there are a few that I want to point out here. So Please do. Uh, our Not lead- all of them, though. It's too many. <laughs> Our lead heroine, uh, Sarah, her grandmother that she lives with um, gets COVID. Yeah, Yeah, Lita, and dies very quickly. And then uh, every day you're supposed to uh, get your virus, get your, you're you're supposed to get yourself scanned in front of what looks like an iPad. And it tells you if you have the virus or not. This is physically impossible because, (laughs) I mean, iPads can take your temperature. I get that. There is no way it can detect a viral load of a virus in your body, right? It's just taking your temperature. That's all it's doing. And then, um, you know, when you get tested, the iPad says, you have tested positive. Please remain in your apartment, um, you know, for people to come get you. If you try to leave, you will be shot. So uh, Lita and Sarah are tested in the morning and the men in suits come to get her at night, which meant that. They it were just in there hours. for like eight hours. <laughs> it's like, okay, so um, who's going to shoot me if no one's coming? <laughs> I, I, for I eight understand. hours. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense. And they think we're not going to question it, which is also another problem with this film is uh, it insults our intelligence yeah. by um, giving us really clunky exposition, telling things to us multiple times. Thinking we can live with when, it. Yeah. yeah, but when it's time to show it how something works, they fail miserably. For example, we're told multiple times uh, about this Q zone, and it's a place where people go to to either die or just to be taken, and no one ever comes back from it. Yep. Right. And then yep. you had some issues with that, right? In terms Huge of issues. you know, yeah, with how the Q zone was portrayed. All you see are aerial shots of it with a bunch of people walking around. And I'm like, are these people infected and about to die? Are these people capable of surviving? If they do, then then why aren't they released? Like, like, w- wouldn't that make them immune? Like, what's going on here? We're, we're just seeing aerial shots of the Q-Zone. That's it. And I'm like, that's all we get. So I'm like thinking, where? what was the point of this? 
it, it looks like a zombie kind of like like what was it or a kind of like an apocalyptic kind of thing because everyone's like having shelters that are made from like uh like tarp and tents whatever but nothing else and i yeah it that definitely was annoying and the the film also says that the virus is airborne hinting at the fact that if you're exposed to it like if you just breathe it in like it's just living in the air you're you're going to die right um so that's why everyone is staying indoors but then if uh, people are are not immune to the virus and getting fake uh, bracelets made just to be able to like go and like you know see your uh, your girlfriend who's locked up in a hotel room. Um, do these people have a death wish? Why are do you why are you getting a fake bracelets made knowing that if you go out you're probably going to die? So it's either the virus isn't that um, isn't as strong as people are making it out to be, or these people are just suicidal and, and they have a death wish. So that ending was so cheese. Um, Dude, when when KJ Apa's character Nico, like who's immune and trying to save a lot of like the love of his life, has this goal of taking his girlfriend Sarah to Big Sur, <laughs> and like his goal to see the coast, whatever. But the moment they're free and heading there, we hear him in a voiceover where he's something where he says somewhere along the lines of, "If you love something or someone, never stop fighting. Give me a freaking break." <laughs> And then they shot Ariel, like it kind of pans or it dollies back from a drone shot. And you see them going off the coast, driving off into the horizon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. That's, a, that's another thing, a problem I had with this film is uh, the use of a drone is uh, a is something that comes up quite a bit in this in this film. And the drone operator himself has a backstory. He's ex-military. But apparently he has the ability to fly drones that have um, unlimited battery life. Uh, they, they are weaponized <laughs> and uh, they can be flown like 10, 20, 30 miles away from the source. What does he say? Um, Target eliminated. Going yep. back home. Tango down. Something Tango like down. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the characters are written and portrayed with no originality for the most part. Um, and this movie feels very exploitative. If they made a good COVID movie, it, it'd be fine. But because it was bad, first off, you have very little margin for error when you're trying to make a movie about this stuff. And I, I was just rolling my eyes the entire time. Uh, we can literally go on for another half hour about all of the other issues I had with this movie. There are superfluous characters. Uh, there are characters that just break down crying for no reason, like Demi Moore's daughter. Um, and we're asked to care about all of them. But because we don't, a lot of the scenes just fell completely flat. So, And even just like the side stories of uh, Demi Moore's husband and his mistress, because he's like a, a music producer and trying to help this girl that was supposed to be in the music. I don't know, like these little side stories. It's like this is this this is just unnecessary, like and, and how he's cheating on his wife, whatever. It's like, what? OK, like I don't know. It, it was like so messy. All right. I think it's uh, time that we stop bludgeoning this movie to death. So <laughs> let's offer our final review of the film. Will go ahead. I I think I think this is like the lowest. Uh, I think if I can recollect, it's the lowest star rating we've given a film. I give it a one. It just didn't make sense overall, dude. It was just too many plot holes, and I think that like, like I said, it's a concept sketch. They should have taken a little bit more time. And I, I've always been the type of guy that's like, you know, when some current event happens in our life that they try to make into a movie 
it, it's taken a big risk, you know? What about you? One star. Uh, it should really get half a star, but I think it gets a <laughs> half star extra for just trying. It's kind of like getting points for writing your name on the SAT. It's like just for, for showing up. Oh just for, my gosh. That is such a good analogy. <laughs> just for it's the like, fact that like, you know, you, you actually, I will give them props. You were the first to get a movie shot, edited, finished, and distributed during COVID. Props to you guys. We know how hard it is to get a movie made. Trust me. Um, and we give them huge props for, for, for doing that. And they deserve a round of applause for that. Uh, but we are just giving, like I said, our opinions. So, yeah. Just an opinion. <laughs> just yeah. an opinion. Might be fact. Yes. But I'm just going to leave it out there. You know, it might be an opinion. Yeah. All right. That was our in-depth review of Songbird. We will take a short break and come back with a review of the film The Sound of Metal. Stay tuned. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow and see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me, okay? You're in for me, Lou. You're my part. You're in for me, okay? You gotta wait for me. All right, we are back. And now on to part two of our episode with a review of the film, The Sound of Metal. This film is about a heavy metal drummer his life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. Now, um, just from what we discussed, I think we both really, really enjoyed this movie. Oh, uh, man. So such a f- breath of fresh air, you know, watching this film after Songbird. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this film is riveting and, and emotional. It's it's this, a story that cuts to the chase for our main character and his hearing loss. But it's so much deeper than that. It's... It's like going through also um, seeing their addiction and and mm-hmm. and how like what helps you through it and like how they have overcome it. The sound design was incredibly unique. The director kind of puts us through this moment of oh we're kind of experiencing it with him and yeah. we're like what the heck's going on and I was like whoa you know that that change and 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 that that moment that I kind of flinched because of, of when that happened. You see Ruben's character kind of like all of a sudden stop, and I was like whoa that's a great that was a great moment for me to kind yeah. of connect with the character. Other than that, like the intimate chemistry between Ruben and Lou, I think that they did a great job of really creating the authenticity of the relationship of mm-hmm. of of them not just being in a band together, but their love for each other as well. Riz Ahmed gave an amazing performance. I think his performance was under uh, his performance was understated and never like it never felt over the top even as he was struggling with his hearing loss right because sometimes when when someone goes through a specific or a dire situation like you know an actor can sometimes kind of kill it with too much right like how do you find the balance but for him dude you can't help but to empathize for Ruben as he enters like you can't help but to empathize with that 
Um, yeah, he didn't have to do too much because you were already feeling what he was feeling. And mm-hmm. I think uh, he used that to his advantage quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he internalized the struggle quite a bit. And he didn't have to say a lot because we were going through it with him. So that was definitely a good choice. There's just, the, the, man, the, uh, I, I think that like this is a film that I haven't felt in a long time where I really was immersed with a character and feeling like I was really a part of that character, I guess you can say, even though like I don't, I've never experienced what it's like to be deaf or have like hearing loss. But I just think that this film really got me close to it as close as possible to experiencing what that would be like. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you. I love how the story provided exposition. Um, it didn't beat you over the head with uh, pointless facts and it let the actors have the freedom to convey what they needed to. For example, uh, we see, um, Lou and Ruben together, they're in a trailer. And then, um, you know, as they're waking up, she stirs in bed. And then we see these scars on her arm for, from when she used to cut herself. And then, uh, you know, we know they're, they're close and they're doing well. And their conversation is just like these two people are just so on the same page. Um, and then there's a scene where after um, Ruben starts losing his hearing and he gets taken to like a, a home where he can stop start coping with his uh, hearing loss. Uh, everyone there, they're addicts. And so the fear is that uh, as they spiral towards losing their hearing, there's a chance that they might fall back into their addictions. So uh, the uh, caretaker of the home asked them, um, you know, have you used drugs? He said, yeah, heroin. Uh, when was the last time you used? Four years ago. Um, how long have you uh, known your girlfriend? Four years. So just by hearing the how he says those words and uh, how it comes in the course of the scene, we know that she helped him kick that habit. And then because we are hearing it that way, uh, it draws us further into the movie. And it also lets us know how close these two people are. They helped each other, uh, you know, defeat their addictions and how they are hurting themselves. Well, what's, so, also, what's interesting to, to kind of add to that was in the beginning of the film, when they are in the trailer and, and as Ruben wakes up, right, to make breakfast mm-hmm. and works out, right? In my mind, I thought, okay, we, we see the scars on Lou's arm. And the mm-hmm. way how Ruben's carrying himself seems like like he was the caretaker for her in that moment. Like if it, it felt mm-hmm. like like he had his head together pretty well, even though you know that there is a past of them like with both of them struggles. But he seems like he has it pretty much stable, like stabilized, until mm-hmm. he started losing his hearing. Was when um, uh, what, what, what is it called remission? I guess when, or or when you or relapse when you when you, it's like the moment he started losing his hearing, it, it then started to look like he was relapsing from what he struggled with in the past. As she yeah. then Lou had to kind of like help him through this this situation that 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 was all of a sudden like that came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was always that fear that he would start using again, and that kind of there was an added level of tension underneath. I think that yeah. kind of was you know. That was there the entire time after uh, he started losing his hearing. They say no story is the same. And this movie doesn't really bring anything new to the table in terms of, um, you know, what this what a character goes through in terms of a journey. Um, You know, we see a character. he, He deals with something and has a goal to overcome it. And then he actually does so, but realizes that after overcoming it, that it's not like what he thought it would be. And during the course of the journey, he's changed so much that by the end of it, even though he accomplishes what he wants, um, it's not fulfilling. You know, this movie fits that storytelling arc to a T. However, just the subject matter, what they're dealing with, 
you know, the idea of someone losing their hearing whose entire life is based around the ability to use his ears, right? Um, yeah, it's it's something I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's unique yet traditional, but it's the perfect blend of both, I would say. The performances, and you talked about Riz Ahmed. Uh, yeah, he is heartbreaking in this movie yeah Yeah, i mean when i was watching the trailer at first i was almost getting choked up um he has a scene where he's telling lou like wait for me wait for me i'm going to beat this thing and as i was watching that in the trailer i was like oh my gosh he's just like uh, he's leaving it all out there you know his emotions are on his sleeve and it's just such a beautiful scene um the final scene between him and lou played by olivia cook is heartbreaking um mm, yeah. they're in uh paris uh because that's where her father lives and after ruben goes to uh the home to deal with his hearing loss uh, she has no one left her mother has uh, committed suicide and um he's worried that she'll start hurting herself again and that that might even be a big bigger issue because she has nowhere else to go to accept her dad who is like living in europe right um they have this heartfelt scene that, that at the end of the film that I don't want to get into because I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, I know you're going to get a little more into the, the France scene soon. So I'll let you go through that. But overall, really a beautiful film. And it puts you in the mindset of the main character in a way that a, a movie hasn't since this, since this other film I watched a while back called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Mm. The, uh, that movie deals with someone who, uh, an artist who has a stroke and they are unable to uh, speak or move, uh, they're basically trapped in their own mind. And uh, eventually he has to learn to find freedom during this. And he even writes uh, his own memoirs by blinking the alphabet. Uh, then he writes a story about his life before he passes on. Ironically, the actor who played the main character in that film, uh, Matthew Almaric, I might be butchering the last name, plays Lou's father in this film. So, And I have to think that the casting there wasn't accidental. Oh, uh, I find that these two movies are very much companion pieces. But yeah, what I wanted to add to um, when you were saying about like uh, Ruben's character, that he just wanted to beat this thing and obviously do whatever it takes and then getting those cochlear implants. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because I think what I connected with in terms of when we i think we all can relate when we're in a situation where something goes off but all we can think about is how to fix it and just fix it quickly because it's a you know it's it's like a safe haven of what we love to do whatever the circumstances may be but then again at the same time there is a sense of naivety that that comes into it when you don't stop and think about okay it is is the result of if i go through you know, surgery, or if I go through whatever, like, am I going to get the same results back? And I think there's a naivety where we don't think about that. And for Ruben's yeah. case, it was so evident where he thought, oh yeah, if I get these implants, I'm going to get my hearing back. And all you think, and all you can think about is your your hearing, your perfect hearing, right? And the yeah. the scene where the doctor says, yeah, your ears don't work. What you're what you're doing to your what we're what the cochlear implants do, uh, does is that it tricks your brain into thinking that you can hear some, that you're hearing something. Yeah. And I found that fascinating because I you know I never really understood how cochlear implants work, but the fact that how she explained it, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's why he's yeah. hearing the way he's hearing, and it didn't satisfy him, which then became yeah. another point of defeat for him, and kind of like just confusion and trying to figure out where do I go from here, like yeah. And it, that was I, such a great scene. Yeah, and, and that's where it's like it's relatable because you know I think we've all been through that kind of situation where when we get a result that we weren't looking for, 
we kind of ask ourselves, okay, what? I'm not satisfied with this, but I have to live with it. So wait, where do I go from here? You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it's such an emotional roller coaster. And that's why I think that this film was so, like, it really, really pulled the heartstrings, you know? Yeah. So. yeah I totally agree with you. There are so many just amazing scenes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Aww. I'm just like taking a, a deep breath to, to, let it, to let it sink in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let me turn it back over to you. Is there anything you didn't like about the movie? You know, okay. The only situation that I wasn't sure of, um, thinking, okay, what have I liked in this route, you know, or this route, like, or the route that they took. And I know that we get a little bit of the background of Ru- who Ruben is and who Lou is, right? But not very much. I think that the moment that Ruben goes to visit uh, Lou in, in France, in Paris, and then he meets yeah. her father for the first time, Ruben's father, or uh, Lou's father, says like, oh, yeah, you're Ruben. Yeah, you know, and, and he kind of like talks about what Lou has said about him. He's like, I've heard a lot of good things about you, but you know, but then at first he was like, I didn't like you because you took my daughter away kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And, and that and whole then- unraveling of just... Mm-hmm you know, where Lou's background, like we, we, he basically was the unraveling uh, of kind of like getting a bit more of insight between of Ruben's background, character background and, and Lou's background. But the, and I didn't mind that, but I thought, you know, for me, I felt like I wish I would have seen and, and experienced who, what their past was like from them and not from the father. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. I understand because like we were talking about earlier, uh, the exposition is handled really well in this movie. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we get a dramatic shift of location, which also just is this massive shift in tone. Yeah. And rather than um, being fed information slowly but surely and subtly through the relationship, mm-hmm. we're being told all of this backstory from a character that we hadn't we even just met got, before. Yeah, we just got introduced like for 10 yeah. seconds all of a sudden. Yeah, completely yeah. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. So I agree with you there. It, it was a, a slightly jarring um, in that scene. It was nice because it did fill in the, the gaps that um, were there in terms of, you know, who are, who is Lou and Ruben? Uh, you know, how do they meet? Yeah. Uh, and why are we here in, in Paris? So, yeah. you know, that was really, really well done. Um, yeah. Other than that, there's not really much that I disliked about this film. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. really think of anything, to be honest with you. Um, that's great. No, so, yeah. I mean, literally, like, even, like, just that dislike, though, was just more of a, I guess I prefer more uh, understanding a character coming from the character themselves. You know what I mean? Yes. So it was a bit yeah. of a bittersweet moment with that. I was like, oh, that's that's where this is. This is where I get to know them a bit more is through a third person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that that was Completely. the only thing that, yeah, that's kind of the dip that kind of hit me a little bit. So it was bittersweet. But then again, like I said, like, yeah, I, I accepted it, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So now on to our final reviews, Bill. What do you give this film? I do give this four and a half stars. And, you know, I I, I do want to give it five stars. I'm just being a bit bitter about how, you know, just getting the to movie know ends. who the... Just the way the movie ends and the characters. Like, I want, you know, I just, I really want, I think it's for me. It's you more wanted effective. more for them. Yeah. I wanted mo- a lot more from them. Yeah. Uh, for them and from them. I wanted to really just be like, who really are you, Ruben? Who are you, Lou? Like, I understand that we can, like, you're explaining the exposition and how it's very freeing for them to kind of like, you know, uh, let them do their thing and kind of like assume and, and uh, of who they are. 
but I just wish I don't know I I'm just more of a fan of like letting them opening up as if like we were in like some type of rehab meeting or, or not just a rehab meeting but just kind of like really just getting to know someone you know what I mean and hearing it from mm-hmm. from them so um yeah I mean that's the only thing that's holding it back from honestly a five star uh, this film is an emotional roller coaster, and it just really pulls the heartstrings, and and it's just a, it's a journey about a character who faces a severe situation, dude. That 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 ultimately redefines him, and I think that it is so beautifully done, um, and and just so. I think that this is a film I could watch uh, a few more times, you know, before I'm just like I need to take a break because now it's I'm getting depressed. But but it's just <laughs> because it's so relatable too. You know, relatable yeah. in more of an emotional way, and the str- and the th- and the things that we go through in life. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I give it five stars. It's a beautiful film, a haunting film that feels very much connected uh, to like that film I mentioned before. That's one of the best I've ever seen: The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Um, you need to check that really, out. Really, this movie yeah. is you know it's about a man coming to terms with his hearing loss but i think it actually is a film about addiction so that is our review of the film the sound of metal it is available now uh, to stream on amazon prime for free please please do check that film out we will take a short break and we will come back and discuss our list of top five up-and-coming actors stay tuned this place what's your name honey uh, i'm joe i teach middle school band got it go for it today started out as the best day of my life back here tonight first shows at seven yes Woo-hoo! you know what that's gonna say joe gardner <laughs> i did it i got the gig must have been sudden for you great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't, we can't taste either. All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! Yes, weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day. And I count every single one of them. The count's off. All right, we are back. Um, And Will and I are going to talk about our top five up-and-coming actors. 
And uh, the reason why we decided to discuss this topic here is just due to all, due to all of the great performances that we saw from um, lesser-known actors in the last couple of weeks uh, in the films that we've, we've been reviewing. I expect a lot from these people in 2021 and, and further uh, on down the road. And so I'm excited to be discussing these names right now. Honorable mention, I said I did like KJ Apa in, uh, in the film we reviewed earlier, Songbird. I thought he was one of the only bright moments. He did not make our list, but I definitely wanted to put his name out there because <laughs> I think he has a lot of charisma. Um, nice. So onto our list. Here we go. Starting at number five, Maria Bakalova from Borat 2. Is there anything else I can help you with? That's it. Okay. As this comes out today, I'm an okay. I want this one with the baby on it. Okay. This is our little secret. Welcome. Okay, Loyal, okay. Loyal, tell me that. No, because no, no. Oh, oh, oh. If I did not. Go to the baby too. What? I'm going to the doctor. I have a baby inside me, mm -hmm. and I want to take it out of me. Mm -hmm. She wants it out now, please. Right. I Can mean, you take it out? No, we cannot. What you say, take it out. Yes. You end that life. That, that life will die. Well, it's already dead. It's not living. No. It is a living, breathing life that God has created. I don't think he's breathing. We can show you that it's breathing. I feel bad because I was the one who put the baby in her. You don't need to feel bad. I was just trying to give my daughter pleasure, and next thing I know, there is a baby inside her. Mm -hmm. You keep calling her your daughter. Yes. Okay. Is he your father? Yes. This yes. is your daughter? Yes. Okay. She played Borat's daughter, and she was hilarious. A fresh face. She has been in a few things here and there. Um, but she, I would say, stole the movie in some sense. She was just as funny as Sasha Baron Cohen. And their chemistry was was really unbelievable. Um, I'm hoping for bigger, better things. But this role was so like specific, and she was so over the top. Uh, I hope that she doesn't get typecast um, into... Um, playing crazy roles or maybe she won't get uh, considered for certain roles because everyone's going to think of her as that crazy girl from Borat too. But uh, yeah, I thought she uh, had a lot of charisma and she definitely has great comedic timing. So I think uh, we'll be seeing a lot more from her. What do you think? 100% agree. I, th I think definitely she did steal uh, the show for uh, Borat too. And uh, what was even more impressive was just like, obviously, the makeup department did a great job of her look. But then once I looked at her IMDb page to see what she really looks like, I was like, no way. She's not going to be typecasted. Like, she, she's a very beautiful looking young lady. And so, yeah. uh, she, I mean, it just shows, I think, for me, like the fact that she was able to get away with playing this, you know, funny, comedic uh, uh, role that I, I think that she's going to be a pretty well diverse actor. Great. All right. Number four on the list is uh, Jahi Diallo Winston from Charm City Kings, playing someone whose older brother died um, because of his interactions within a biker gang. And uh, now he wants to join that gang now that he's a little older. He wants to be just like his bigger brother. You're new to Baltimore. You gotta go to the ride. The ride? You don't know nothing, do you? The ride. Every Sunday in the summer, everybody with a bike show out. That's bike as far as you can see. Pull the bike back, a wheel, stick straight up. So it look like the hands of a clock when they hit midnight. What's that? 
That's midnight click. They got the best bikes, the best tricks, the best riders. They just the best. The splits. Midnight click legend. So that's who you want to be down with then? He had a ton of charisma and he adopted that kind of Baltimore type accent that I think you called out on. And uh, yeah, yeah, apparently that is actually a thing. Get? What do you want me to get? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, angry, he's naive, he's innocent, yet you know temperamental, and he does all these things. And at the same time, you don't uh, hate him for the bad things that he does. Uh, you want him to succeed, and you know he's a kid, and you, you just care for him. It was such a nuanced uh, portrayal of this character. So yeah, he was definitely really, really great. And I can't, I, and I forget, he was frustrating. Even though I know in Charm City Kings, he did a great job, but the naivety... I forget that he's a kid. Just the naivety of of, of the choices that he made. I, I don't know why, but I, I I have to stop. I had to stop myself. Like he's just a kid. Like I know he's making the dumbest decisions, and, and I know that from his upbringing and whatnot. But that just made me realize, like, wow, he yeah, he's doing a great job with the role that he played in Charm City Kings yeah. to to really make me feel the way I did. Yeah, he uh, actually started on Broadway. He played uh, young Simba. In the Lion King musical, um, oh cool you know, on Broadway in New York, yeah. yeah. So very multi-talented actor, and I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more from him. Heck in yeah. the near future, yeah, yep. Third on our list is Lucas Hedges. He played <laughs> Meryl Streep's nephew in Let Them All Talk. Can you hand me the yeah. manuscript that's over there on, sure. on the couch? And a, and a pen. Uh huh. Oh, the red pen. Yeah. Two pounds. Thank you. Here you go. Is uh, is this your new book? Yeah, this is it. What's it about? Ah, uh, it is about trying to catch lightning in a bottle for a second time. It's funny to say that he is an up-and-comer when he was already nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't know who he is no, quite yet. I didn't know. And he, Yeah. He has a certain charm, uh, likability. And, you know, we talked about how this movie was, um, a lot of it was improvised. He definitely has a skill for that. And he is hilarious in this movie. He is the glue that held it together. Not Meryl Streep. It was Lucas Hedges. And I think we had mm-hmm. talked about this. So when Lucas Hedges was talking with Diane Weist, uh, who plays Susan, uh-huh. talking about yeah. how, oh, so what was it like in your past and stuff? And, and, and I thought, okay, one, either either the script, because I didn't even know at first this was imp- like the majority of it was improv. But the moment, like the, the, the amount of stuttering, the amount of fumbling that he did, yeah. I thought at first, like, okay, either either the dialogue that he had was really short and he really wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit or, or something's off about it but for some reason i'm fine with it because it's so funny how he's carrying this scene and then once mm-hmm. i hear it was improv like majority of it i was like oh my gosh he killed it he freaking killed that scene then yeah it was so good and then <laughs> diana weiss's character all she had to say was one word no <laughs> <laughs> it was so good uh yeah, so I love. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, back up. I think you have to tell us say what they were talking about. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So just start over and talk about how he was talking to her about, you know, what, what do you think about our generation and everyone's head is like into cell phones and stuff and you grew up without that. Yeah, just kind of get into that. Sure, 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 yeah. Um, so for like Lucas Hedges, uh, I like, honestly, I think like one of the things about the film, one of my favorite scenes that I didn't even know that was improvised at first, I thought either like the dialogue uh, was short and he was trying to just expand on it but it was a scene where he was talking with uh, diane weiss to play susan and how he was just trying to connect with her and talk about her generation because she's a lot older and about like oh you know do you remember like like for us we have our phones to gps stuff but for you guys you know do you guys like have to have a map or or how did you know it's interesting how like your 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 way of upbringing do you think like it's changed now do you feel like that our generation like like there's things that like have evolved, whatever. And like, and at first I was like, wow, he is saying a lot and he's fumbling his words, but I'm okay with it because he's doing it so well. And I was laughing because I was like, what is this? And, and realizing that it was improvised, I was like, okay, this kid's a genius. This kid's so good. I, I thought he did such a great job. And what just made it even funnier is when, when all that talking, Diane Weist answers with, no, I think we're the same. <laughs> I think I think nothing's changed with our generations, <laughs> and I, if that's her improv, I was like, beautifully done. <laughs> to close the scene yeah. right there. <laughs> All right, uh, number two on our list is Riz Ahmed from The Sound of Metal. Now, once again, he's been in a lot of stuff, uh, but I think he's like one of those secondary faces where, like, I have yeah, yeah, people are, must be like, okay, I've seen this guy before, but I, I'm not sure where he was the main antagonist in the film of Venom. Uh, squaring off against Tom Hardy. He was also in uh, Star Wars Rogue One, and uh, he was on this uh, HBO documentary called The Night Of, where he played a murder suspect, and you don't know if he actually did it or not. Um, he also was in, I didn't even know this, he was also in Nightcrawler with... Uh, uh, with oh, that's right. Yeah, he was uh, with, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Yeah, he was like his partner. Yep, um, the one that was getting hired, yeah. and he was like, oh, I don't really have much, I just need money kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was like, "What the freak? How do I?" Yeah, so he's like that secondary kind of actor at first, where it's like it's in your back in your mind. You you recognize yeah. his face, yeah, but you don't know who he is yet. Noisy. Search. Throat. Ditch. Fish. Talk. Ring. Brum. Germ. Life. Team. Lid. This is by far, in my opinion, his best role. And I think there is going to be a lot more uh, that we're going to be seeing him in, seeing him in, in 2021 and beyond. Um, I think it was the performance of the year in films. Uh, and, you know, having said that, why is he number two? Yeah. Yeah, having said that, why is he number two on our list? Well, that's because our number one up-and-coming actor uh, was not necessarily in a movie this year. Well, she was. She's been in several movies this year. But uh, we're recognizing her for her work in The Queen's Gambit. Mm. So our number one up-and-coming actor of 2020 is Anya Taylor-Joy. Yep. should not have let you do that. The Rook. No. But you won't let the next one that tries it. Yeah. 
How old were you when you started playing chess? Four. I was district champion at seven. I will be world champion Monday. When? In three years. You'll be 60 in three years. If you win, what will you do next? I don't understand. If you're world champion at 16, what will you do with the rest of your life? She also has been in a lot of work. She's been in Split, and she was in uh, the sequel to that film, Glass, which I believe came out earlier uh, this year. Um, she has uh, she was in the film The New Mutants, where she uh, played, of course, a mutant. And uh, you know, to me, she was just always a young actor with charisma and an intriguing look. But in The Queen's Gambit, she pulls it all together. She is the heartbeat of the miniseries, a seven-episode miniseries. And without her, it just doesn't work. She plays a girl that's 13, and we follow her uh, along her journey. And as she, uh, you know, as the years pass by, and by the end of the the miniseries, she plays like a 22, 23-year-old, something along those lines. But uh, she plays the awkwardness of a girl who's just discovering what she's good at. She uh, later has the confidence of, of being a chess grandmaster and uh, also the confidence of knowing what it's like to finally understand uh, what family is. So she was just amazing in this film. And uh, I don't think I saw anything better this entire year. Yeah. So the only thing I'll say with like Anya is some, the same how I uh, said with Riz Ahmed is that, you know, she was that recognizable face, but wasn't sure like, where is she from, you know, or, or you know, but Queen's Gambit definitely killed it, and I I definitely think her and Riz are going to be that those next generation of actors, uh, Oscar winning actors actually, and I have a lot of hope for both of them. Um, just stunning performances, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see what's what's up. That was our list of top five up and coming actors of 2020. We will be back next week with a look at the film Soul and Wonder Woman 1984. Until then, stay safe. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Everything. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. No, we'll, we'll, we're going to release an episode before the New Year. Okay, so I take well, it back. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> but have a Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>